Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. An adorable groundhog finds he might be over his head when he changes homes in the new book by Donna Forrest Gorsick titled Mr. Banks is Moving. I'd like to welcome Donna to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Donna, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me what Mr. Banks is Moving is all about? Yes, he was a groundhog that lived on a hill next to a busy road and a train track that interrupted his sleep at night and rumbled him around and knocked everything off the walls. And he just kind of got tired of it and decided he was going to move. And this is the adventure of his move and all the obstacles he faced on the way. Hmm. Was there anything in particular that inspired the groundhog character? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I used to drive to work, and he actually, a groundhog, was on the side of the road on this hill on my way to work, and he would pop up in the mornings when I was going to work and look around like he was just trying to take in everything. One day, we were, my husband was taking me to work, and he looked over, and I had talked to him about the groundhog before, and he looked over, and he called him Mr. Banks. He said, oh, there's Mr. Banks. <laughs> So the name just kind of stuck, and uh, the story started forming in my head, and uh, that's where it came from. Was there something that prompted you then to say, hey, i got to write this down, i got to get this published? Just little thing. I like to write, I like to read, and I had been thinking about writing children's stories, and this one just kind of came to me at that time, and I just started writing down the notes and jotting everything down that I was thinking about, and, and it evolved into this story. I really like the illustrations. Can you tell me what that was like working with the artist? Um, it was great. They did a wonderful job. I'm not always the best at describing what I want in the illustrations, but they were great about making the changes and bringing the character out that I visualized myself in um, my head when I was writing the story. And they just, they just did a great job and they're wonderful to work with. Mm. Do you think there are more adventures that Mr. Banks will be going on here in the future? I think there might be. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> You're working on anything now or just sort of thinking about it? No, I actually have one in the works already starting on the publishing part of it. It's not Mr. Banks' story, but it's another story that I also came up with from things that happened to me. Hmm. So it's in the works now. So now going through the publishing process several times and, and constantly writing, do you have any advice for the first-time author? I think if I had any advice, it would just be if if this is something that you really want to do, do it. Just make time to do it and don't give up on it. Hmm. I always feel like there's a right time and place for everything. And eventually that time will come and it will get to the place where you want it. Hmm. You just have to work for it and have faith and trust that you're going to make it. Hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. When you were writing Mr. Banks' Moving, did you have a specific age range of children in mind for it? I was looking for young children that like to hear stories from their parents and those who like to read them. So if, if they were in that age group where they liked the challenge of a, an adventure and, and they usually like animal stories, 
I was reaching out for that age group mm. where they would enjoy reading or being read to. Mm. Made me think of how challenging of an art form this can be because you talked about how children like to be read to and they like the sound of words. So while you need to be telling a good story, you also want to make the sound of the words sound good. You want it to flow that is pleasing to children. So you're almost approaching like a poetic kind of thing there. Yes. There were many rewrites of the story because mm. once you get it down, then I, I went back to make sure what I was saying flowed properly. And, and it sometimes it was difficult, but in the, the end, it usually comes together. But the flow, I think, is very important in getting the illustrations to flow with the words and uh, getting it in the book form. And that it was challenging, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Hmm. Well, Donna, who's been influential to you through the years as far as writing goes? I think I was probably first inspired through my mother who liked to write poems. And I think just kind of my faith took over and led me to the writing. And I just felt like that was something I wanted to do and could do. And so I just went with that. And I guess I got it from my mom hmm. <laughs> as much as anyone. And then encouragement, of course, from my husband, who always encouraged me with it and just having trust and faith that I could do it and would do it. Yeah, it's really important that you do have some sort of support behind you. Uh, you had your family and, and that's really, really great. You know, oftentimes yes. people try to take it all on their own. They think they can write a book and get it out there all on their own. But it's important not only to have that support, but then to find a good team, like a good publisher like you did, yes. things seem to have fallen into place for you in that regard. Yes. Uh, time for everything. The mm. right time. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on this book. Again, it's called Mr. Banks is Moving. It's by Donna Forrest Gorsick and published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere you shop for books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Donna, thanks again for coming by the show here tonight. I had a really nice time talking. Thank you so much. You'll read a moving, true-life story in author Joanne Kabar's new book, Exit the Hollow Moon. I'm really happy that Joanne is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joanne, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here tonight. Oh, glad to see you. Can you tell me what Exit the Hollow Moon is about? I understand that at least part of it is a memoir, true life story. Yes. One is nonfiction, part one, and it's a true life story of the dysfunctional family I grew up in. And uh, part B is also nonfiction creatively done about me and my friends. What inspired you to write this story? Well, I always liked to write, and I thought my mother was an interesting character. Mm. So I was inspired to write about it and to tell people that I survived. Mm. Was it a difficult story to write for you? It was difficult, yes. Mm. About how long were you working on it? A couple of years. Hmm. You said you've always liked to write. Have you been published prior to this? Yes, I have been published as a poet oh. prior to this. I really wrote poetry mostly, but I decided to write this, this story down. Yeah, it's a big jump. There's a big difference from poetry into the prose realm. Uh, was that a stretch for you? Did you have trouble making that stretch? It was 
was a little, yeah, poetry comes a little more natural to me. <laughs> but I tried to make my prose poetic because I thought that was where my strength lied. So. Yeah, you're used to using beautiful words in your poetry, so I'm sure a lot of that beautiful language worked its way into the prose as well. Oh, I hope so. So what advice would you have now to people who want to publish a book, they want to get their story out there? Do you have any words of wisdom? Well, don't give up. Hmm. You know, people say, oh, no one ever publishes anything, and don't do that, or work on something very small. I would say no, go for it, if you really are inspired to do so. Is there an ideal group of readers that you had in mind for this when you published it? Well, I would say it was more of a woman's book. It's more feminist, but anybody can read it. I mean, men are feminists, so mm -hmm. they can read it, the ones that are. So that's the group I had in mind. Mm. So are you thinking about publishing more? Do you have another one in mind? I'm working on another one now. Oh, wonderful. Are you sticking with the prose this time? It's prose again, yeah. I have some poetry in it. Just like in the book I wrote, I have poetry in it, too. Oh, wonderful. So would you say there's a person in your life that's most inspired you or been most encouraging to you during your writing journey? I'd say teachers. Hmm. Different teachers that I had in college and in junior high. They recognized I could write in junior high. So I always felt they were good about my writing. I hear that over and over again from authors saying that they were inspired early on by their teachers, encouraging them to write. And I think that says a lot about how important it is in our education system and our teachers that we encourage our kids to write and just keep them writing more and more because that really starts to grow later in life. Well, you know, James Baldwin mm. was inspired in school by his teachers. Mm. They realized what an aptitude he had in writing. So I think that happens with people that are future poets mm. and prose writers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Joanne, thank you for coming on the show. I encourage everybody to check this book out. It's called Exit the Hollow Moon by Joanne Kabar. It's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you buy your reading material on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, at Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Joanne, thanks again. I had a real nice time chatting with you here today. You're welcome. You have a good day. When kids bond over things they have in common, their differences often fade into the background. And we see this in Pee Wee Goes to School, the new book by Tanya Renee Gentry. Really happy that Tanya is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Tanya, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me what Pee Wee Goes to School is all about? Yes. Pee Wee's a character with sickle cell, and he's excited to attend a new school. His mom takes him to school to speak with his teacher about him having sickle cell and his needs to have a healthy day at school. One of his classmates overhears at the door, and unfortunately, he faced some bullying on the playground. His older sister stands up for him, and things begin to change for the better. One of his classmates comes and eats lunch with him, and Pee Wee finds he has a lot in common with his classmates, and they bond over video games. Hmm. 
After a long week, Pee Wee speaks with his family about his feelings, and they reassure him with love and support. Hmm. What a great message. What inspired this story? Well, I'm a sickle cell warrior myself, a patient. I survived SC disease, Mm. and I've also been with the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America, San Diego chapter, for 15 years, president of the association for 12 years. So I see a lot that goes on in the sickle cell community, and what we don't have is a lot of visibility, and Mm. I wanted to create more visibility. Whenever I was thinking about this, I... I thought, you know, there isn't a whole lot out there that I'm aware of at all about sickle cell anemia, especially for children's books. About how long were you working on this? It was a two-year process. I went completely old school, and I wrote it in a notebook. So I had to get it transferred from my notebook to a computer and put it in proper manuscript form before introducing to a publishing company. Oh, wow. Have you ever written before or been published? No, sir. This was my first time. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate it. (laughs) How does it feel now you're officially a published author? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It was so surreal. Definitely a pinch yourself moment. I got to see my vision come to life from my notebook to a published book. Really an awesome process. When it came to the illustrations, uh, what kind of process was that like? Was that a smooth one? Yes, it was. It took a couple of times for us to get Pee Wee's look exactly how I envisioned him. Hmm. And by the third drawing, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's him. You guys have him. Once I was able to look in his eyes and that smile, once we got the main character drew up, it was a breeze after that. Hmm. You thinking about taking Pee Wee on some more adventures in the future? Definitely. I'm actually writing my second book already. Pee-wee Goes to School is a chapter series that I want to go on. Mm. So I'm writing my second one, and I want him to be a part of the sickle cell community to give the kids something that they can relate to and see themselves in Pee-wee. We're going to keep it going. And I think this would appeal to a much broader audience than just those who are dealing with sickle cell, because you're also dealing with the much broader topic of bullying in general, which is a hot topic right now and and an important one that needs to be discussed. Yes, sir. I actually added bullying to the book when I had watched the news here in uh, San Diego. Mm. And it said that the suicide rate between 11 and 14-year-olds had tripled in our city. Oh, my gosh. And so I thought adding bullying to the book would be ideal. Mm. So people can see what it actually does. And people think if you're not beating someone up, then you're not bullying, but your words can be bullying. And it also gives the bystander a voice. Hmm. That's wonderful. Do you have advice now for somebody looking to publish a book for the first time? Yes. Stick to your vision. Don't mind what others say. Never give up. Keep moving forward in your process. If it's only one step a day, just make sure you keep moving in your process. Never stop until you're at the finish line. Hmm. Now, as you've been writing this, can you think of a person who's been most supportive, most influential to you during the whole thing? I would say the sickle cell community, Hmm. breaking the sickle silence, having Pee Wee out there so we can have a voice and a spotlight on sickle cell and also have a voice for bullying, it would have to be our pediatric sickle cell warriors. Hmm. 
Well, that's wonderful. And this book, there's such a wonderful message in it, Tanya. Thank you for using your talents and your gifts and your experiences to bring this to children. Again, this is called Pee Wee Goes to School. It's by Tanya Renee Gentry, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Tanya, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a great time meeting you and, and finding out about this wonderful book. Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate you. God's Plan for Humanity is at the core of the next book I'm talking about here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. The title of the book is From Condemnation to Redemption, and the author, Barbara Amajoy, is joining me here right now. Barbara, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Can you tell me what you've written about here with From Condemnation to Redemption? From Condemnation to Redemption just reveal the um, reason why Jesus came. So man lost the position with God, the position of fellowship and authority and, and righteousness and holiness that position of peace and tranquility and the position of fulfillment of the call of God, man lost that when the first parents, which is Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. They were cast from the presence of God because of sin. So Jesus came to redeem us back to our position with God, back to that place of redemption, the place of authority, the place of fulfilling our calling, the place doing what God has called us to do. So Jesus came and died to redeem man back to that place that God has ordained for man in the Garden of Eden. Hmm. Now you're telling the gospel story for sure. Now, what inspired you to write the book, to, to put these thoughts into words and then have this book published? Was there something at this point in time that gave you the inspiration? Well, um, I was studying, and God just revealed to me the gift of this redemption. Hmm. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he said, let us come, let us make man in our image. And then he says that in, in that, he also reveals how he's given man the authority over all creeping things, over everything on this earth. And then it took me along to help me understand how man lost it. So I personalize this, how God saved me from the plans of Satan, which is destruction to his plan of life and prosperity of eternity. So I just wanted, I was very inspired by that revelation, and I wanted to share it with people that we don't have to be where we are. We don't have to be at that dungeon of a lack of failures, of depression, anxiety, and all the things that the enemy brings. We don't have to be there. We have a choice. We have a choice to receive this life and light that God has given through us. And he says, he says in uh, John 3.16 that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So not perishing is not just waiting till the end of your life here. I'm, I'm talking about not perishing in every aspect of your life. So it becomes the kingdom of God is here within us. means everything that God has ordained for us in this life we, are, we can start from here. We, can, we start from here in the life, the life of worship, the life of thanksgiving, of prosperity, spiritual, physical, everything that God has ordained. 
That is the kingdom of God is within us, which is Jesus who have come to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus came so that we can walk in that righteousness that he has fulfilled. I understand that a lot of this message came to you after doing a Bible study and your son was actually very encouraging to you to yes. write this. Can you tell me about that? I was having a church with my son and, and another pastor where he, he used to live in Louisiana. And as we were going along, I, uh, the Lord inspired me to start a Bible study. Uh, so I started a Bible study here with uh, at Periscope TV. And sometimes I'll post it on Facebook. But as I was doing that, I believe I was teaching on baptism, the, what, the, what baptism means. Mm. Why Jesus had to be immersed into the water and taken out of the water. So the revelation of what that means. I was teaching on that, meaning you, when you are immersed in the water, you die with Christ, and then you rise up in righteousness. You rise up as he rose from the dead, so which is signified by you getting out of the water. So my son said, Mom, I have not heard this like this before. <laughs> you better be putting this thing down. <laughs> so when he said that, it's like I heard the voice of God <laughs> that I need to put all these in writing. Yes. It's great when you have family around who's so encouraging and, and loving and, and want to support you and, and what you do. Yes. Do you have yes. advice for people who are looking to write a book to get their message out there? Any words of wisdom? Yes. Anything, and I, the only thing I can tell you, because we have everything against us here on this, on this earth to distract us from the calling of God. And God does not have to come. You, you don't have to hear that voice from heaven and say, hello, go and do this. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's, uh, it, just, it would drop that in your spirit. It would just drop that in your spirit. It's just that still voice. So my encouragement to anyone that have had, heard that still voice to write anything, don't worry about your time. Don't worry about what anyone is going to think about it. Just do it. Just do it. As a matter of fact, if you look around, distractions are all over the place. So mm. the best thing is just do it. Don't think about it. Just go ahead and do it. And then later on, you find out if it's really God. And of course, if it is not God, you humble yourself and turn around and say, okay, I, I guess I missed it. Mm. But in most cases, when that still voice, when he says, my sheep hears my voice. And if you are his sheep, you're walking in his light, you will hear his voice. He communicates to everybody. Mm. So my encouragement is whatever it is that God has put in your heart, just go ahead and do it. If you are putting you to, uh, in your heart to write about this or whatever it is, just do it. Mm. Great advice. Great words of encouragement as well. So do you have plans from here? What are the chances of you publishing another? Yes. As a matter of fact, yes, I have one in the cooking. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So where are you in that process? Are you following along the lines of From Condemnation to Redemption, or are you tackling another topic? It's uh, actually another topic, but also they all evolve from that redemption. Yes. Well, that's fantastic. Barbara, thank you for putting your message out there. The title of the book is From Condemnation to Redemption. It was written by Barbara Amajoy and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. well. Barbara, it was really nice talking with you tonight. Thanks again for joining me here on the show. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. The Stand in the White Oak is the new book in stores right now by Joseph R. Lang. 
I'm really happy to be joined by Joseph right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joseph, thanks for chatting with me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me what The Stand in the White Oak is all about? The Stand in the White Oak is book 12 in my series of books. It's about a, a local Wisconsin country gentleman who was seeking permission to enter some land, and he entered upon an old farmer that had a lot of things going on in his life, things he needed forgiveness for. It kind of shows how he obtained that forgiveness by uh, kind of walking through the whole process. And what gave you the idea for this book? I used to do a lot of turkey hunting over by Pierce County in western Wisconsin and, and met a farmer over there that I also had asked permission to access his land. And by having conversations with him about his life, and uh, I just sat down one, one night and started to write on it. You said this is book 12 in this series. What's the secret to the longevity? How do you keep things going? How do you keep things fresh? Well, I, I usually try to contemplate. I, I've always been an observer of life. I like to notice things that oftentimes other people don't seem to pick up on because of the haste of the day or the pressures of life. So then I'll, I'll sit and, and think on a, on a subject or something will come to mind when it's really quiet. And then I, I just start typing. I start filling in the gaps. You're obviously a seasoned writer. So what advice would you have for new writers, for somebody maybe who hasn't published yet, who's looking to just complete their first book? I would tell them, write for yourself. Don't write for others. Uh, don't write to make money. Although, you know, you will set, you know, you'll sell books. I, I've sold a number of books, but don't write for that. Write for you. Write to paint a picture for others to read. That's the best advice I can give others. Just write. Just put your thoughts down and proceed with your book. Yeah, that's some good advice. Has your process in writing changed? Since your first book, now to book 12, has anything about it changed? The first three books I had labeled the Thoughts Trilogy, they were, I tried to write short stories so that people are so busy nowadays, they don't have a lot of time to sit down and, and read long, long chapters. So hmm. those first three books were, were short stories. Then after that, I moved to the Dr. Trevor Knight mystery series of which there was five books and that was more of a, a mystery series. Where, but again, I kept the chapter short so people can read put and put it down to get, a, get on with their life. The Stand in the White Oak follows that same principle that people can pick it up, have a cup of coffee, read enough for the day, put it down and, and come back to it. They don't have to sit there and read for an hour just to get through a, a single thought. Yeah, that's important. It's harder and harder anymore to find big chunks of time. So uh, looking down the road, is there a book 13 in the works or are you writing something else? There's a, a book called The Second Chance. It's coming out hopefully in March. It's uh, kind of a story of a, two gentlemen that have known each other for 41 years and, and they're both heading to the sunset of their careers and in fact, the sunset of their lives and how they interact with each other and how the big picture of life has a surprise in store for both of them at the end. Joseph's book is out there in stores right now. It's called The Stand in the White Oak. It's published by Covenant Books, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. And it's written, of course, by Joseph R. Lang. Joseph, once again, thanks for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. 
Author Terry Beavers asked the question, Does God still speak to his children? In her new book, He Still Speaks in Parables and Revelation. I'm happy to be joined by Terry right now. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me what your book, He Still Speaks in Parables and Revelation, what it's all about? Well, it's composed of short stories about different lessons that I received from God as I would take walks in the morning or even doing dishes in the through the day, at night, just whatever. I would open up my heart to hear what he had to say. Over how long of a time period did you collect these? Well, actually, I've actually done this from as far back as I can remember. I just write my thoughts on notebook pages, and I actually just took all these writings together and put them together in a book form. What inspired you to put them in book form and then get them published? Well, I've always been one to write my thoughts down, and my family was always telling me I should I should make a book, I should make a book. And then one day I just decided to put them all together and, and send my manuscript to see what happens. And is this your first book then? It is, yes. Congratulations. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. How's it feel to have a book out there? You're officially an author now. Yeah, it really feels good. I'm grateful, I'm thankful, and I feel accomplished. Are you thinking of maybe writing more and getting another book published? Well, um, actually, I've got three more that's been approved. Oh, wow. Yeah, the second one's being worked on right now. And what I'm trying, I'm trying to make this first book of five series. I'm working on the fifth one right now in hopes that it will be accepted also. So do you have any advice now for first-time authors? You know, you've just taken that journey for the first time. You've discovered the editing process and the publishing process, how that goes. Do you have any advice now for somebody who's going to take that same step? Oh, I mean, I would just tell them to write, and I'd say send your manuscript in because you never know. How difficult was it for you to take what you've written, all the notes, and get them ready to be published? Was there a lot of grammatical things, a lot of editing that needed to be done? It wasn't really really that hard at being that I, you know, I've always done this most of my life. As for the editing, I would do the best I could, but knowing, you know, having faith in the editors, you know, the professionals, that they could take care of what I missed. Did you have a target readership in mind when you wrote it? Not really, just... I wanted to share that people, so that people would know that God can personally talk to them in his way and their way, that that he is talking all the time, that we just got to take the time to settle down and to hear him. Hmm. Could you name a person in your life that's been most inspirational or most supportive of you during your writing journey? It's kind of hard to name one person, but my husband and my daughter and my son, they always was encouraging me to write, you know, to get my, to write a book, to send it in. They always felt that it would be accepted. And so one day I just decided to take their advice. I put those writings together and I sent my manuscript. So it would be my family. Hmm. Have you ever sat down and then had trouble coming up with something to write? And then how did you maybe get ideas or get inspired to get those words going? It seems to come natural to me. I, I'll read God's word and I'll pray and then I'm, I'm quiet and I just let, I let the words come to me. So it's, it's not difficult. Now, if I was to sit and try to come up with something, it's a little harder to try to think it. I just let it come. 
Well, this sounds like a book that I think a lot of people will get a lot from. It's called He Still Speaks in Parables and Revelation by Terry Beavers. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you shop for books, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Terry, thanks for coming by the show tonight. I had a nice time chatting. Yeah, thank you. I did too. Author Ted Even is my guest now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ted, thank you for joining me tonight. No problem. It's my pleasure. Uh, You got a new book out. It's titled Answers for the Honest Skeptic, Answering Skeptic Objections to Biblical Christianity. So you're talking about spiritual truth in this book. Can you tell me more? Sure. One of the basic things that I do go over is one of the common misconceptions skeptics have towards the God of the Bible is that they fail to understand just how perfect in his character he is. In the beginning, all that he created was absolutely perfect, and all he ever wanted with us was an eternal loving relationship. Of course, he gave us a free will, because that's what his perfect love demands. And because he gave us that free will, he couldn't do anything else. We disobeyed him, and he didn't really have a choice as to the consequences of it because of his perfect character, which he simply can't go against. And a lot of people don't understand that if God went against his character for even one moment, he would cease to be an eternal being, and none of us would even have a heaven to go to, if that makes sense. It's not even a choice for him to go against his perfect character, and I'm trying to help the honest skeptic understand why God allows all the evil and suffering in the world, And according to the Bible, it all came from the disobedience of man, the sin of man, which invaded God's perfect creation totally against his will. And yet we hear so many skeptics blame God for all the evil and suffering in the world. But that doesn't make any biblical sense if, in fact, we did it all against his will. So how did the idea to write this and and publish it for the world come about? I've been a Christian since age 18 and have always had a desire to help people get to know the real Jesus because so many people out there only know a fictitious, unbiblical Jesus. They fail to understand the perfection of his character, like I said. Mm. So I'm trying to introduce them to the real biblical Jesus and help them come to know him in right relationship and enter his awesome eternal kingdom as a result. Are you experienced in writing and publishing, or is this your first go? The first part of your question, I'm an experienced writer, but this is my first go as a publisher. I've got all kinds of books lined up. It's just a matter of finances to get them published. Mm. A lot of hard work writing a book, let alone getting it published. How was that the first time for you? Well, there were some learning curves. The first time I went with a one-man publishing operation. I'm so glad I went with Christian Faith Publishers Mm. because a one-man operation, all your eggs are in one basket. And if anything were to happen to that publisher, then the future of your book is pretty much limited. Mm. Now, this is a great book for skeptics. I would think this is also a great book for Christians who are looking to answer skeptics as well, because that's tough. You're exactly right, because what we see is not only a huge battle for the souls of unsaved men, 
but we also see equally huge the same battle to keep those in the professing church. And as true Christians, we all have to know what we believe. And even if we know what we believe, I find that most people don't even know why they believe it. Mm. And that's why some are falling away from their faith. So this work is really going to help the Christian to defend their faith in these last days we're living in. Yes, Ted, thank you for putting this out there and helping a lot of people. Again, this is called Answers for the Honest Skeptic, Answering Skeptic Objections to Biblical Christianity. It's by Ted Even, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Ted, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting. Thank you for having me on. Panda Loves tells a warm story that will make you smile. It's the new book by Brantley Oy, who's joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show, Brant. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Corey. Can you tell me what your book Panda Loves is all about? Well, it's about my four-year-old corgi named Panda and all the things he loves to do. Tells the reader a little bit about our family, his best friend Cosmo, and all the things that Panda loves to do. And Panda's a real dog. I know Panda has a heart for helping others. He's a therapy dog, correct? Correct, yeah. We get a chance to, not this year since COVID in 2020, we haven't had a chance to visit hospitals, but Mm. we get a chance to visit hospitals and the kids can meet Panda and we leave the book with them so they can enjoy it. It's kind of a cool way of giving back. Absolutely. Was there a specific age range of children that you had in mind? You know, when I wrote the book, I didn't really have anything in mind. You know, this is my first book. I have Mm. never written a children's book before. But what I found that by giving it out to the kids, the age range is probably around two to five. Sometimes a little older because the book rhymes. Sometimes as toddlers, they can get like a rhythm of a song. So it's funny, my brother has a four-year-old, and he says she's, she doesn't know how to read, but she can read your book. Hmm. <laughs> that's the funniest thing when they're reading your book and making up the words. Oh, that's fantastic. About how long were you working on this one? Like I said, I've never written a book before. I'm a realtor by trade. I started writing, and it took me about six months to get the book where I felt good about it. And it's only a 28-page book, so... But it took me a long time because I kept rewriting and rewriting it. My wife is a librarian, so everything I did, I bounced it off of her. And so she kept going, no, that doesn't sound good. No, that doesn't sound good. So it took me about six to eight months to write the book. Now, it sounds like Panda has an awful lot of stories to tell. Are you thinking about writing another? Yeah, the second book we'd be coming out this year called Panda Loves the Holidays. And it takes you through 12 holidays and what Panda loves to do on those 12 holidays. And then the third book is Panda Loves America, and it takes you through certain cities that he likes to visit. Wow, we're looking forward to those. Now, being that this was your first book, your first time getting published, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to take that same journey? I would say give yourself more time than you expect. You know, don't have any expectations on how long it's going to take. I'm a realtor, and I work in 30-day increments. And so if something doesn't happen in 30 days, I get very frustrated and I get like, you know, what's going on here? You know, this thing needs to get moving. And I realized I was not in control and I had to drop my expectations 
and give myself a little, and, and the product that came out was exactly what I envisioned. I would say, give yourself a little bit more time than you expect. When I first wrote my letter to the publishers, I said, I want to do this book on this day in six months, I want to do another one. And then I want to do another one. And it took me a long time to get the first one out. So give yourself more time than you expect or have no expectation on the timetable. As long as you're moving forward, you're going to be doing okay. That's good advice. I think it's wonderful that you've written this story and, and released it for the world. And we're certainly looking forward to more of Panda's adventures. This book is called Panda Loves. It's by Brantley Oi, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can find it everywhere you shop for books, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Brant, thanks again for coming on the show. It was great meeting you and great finding out about Panda and the book. Ah, thanks for having me. And you know what I always say, Panda loves you. An Engaging Work is out now by author Gwen Lewis. It's titled, My Story, His Glory, A Memoir, The First 25 Years. Gwen is kindly joining me here tonight at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gwen, thank you for talking with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Can you tell me what you're writing about in My Story, His Glory? It's the story of my life growing up in uh, rural Alabama. It's an inspirational book about the struggles of a little girl growing up in rural Alabama in the 60s and faith that the future would be brighter. And it kind of goes through some trials and the poverty that she endured all through her college years and just kind of shows that God was with her through it all. And he never left her, but truly his grace is sufficient. And he was there to help her through those hard times and just shows the goodness of God in the lives of those who believe him. Is this the first time you've written a book? It is. It is. I'm excited about the book. Yeah, wow. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's something that I've always wanted to do because I, you know, I think all of us have a story. Hmm. And I was fortunate that I was able to pull it out and share it with the world. What was the writing process like for you? Was it uncomfortable to be writing about your own life? In some ways, yes. There were some times when I sat down to write that reliving some of those memories, I, I have to admit that it, it brought feelings of shame and pain. I, I did shed tears as I thought of mm. some of my siblings and some of the people I grew up with who are not with us now. Yeah, it was challenging, but at the same time, it was funny because the book is humorous as well as serious. Yeah, it's real life. You take the good with the bad. You have both of those in life. What are some of the high points that you talk about in the book? I think when I was able to graduate college, I talk about when I met my husband, and those are some of the high points, I believe. Mm. Just knowing that there is a bright future ahead, even though in the past, you know, there's dark spots. But yeah, I think those two things were high points. It only goes to my first 25 years. So that's what I was going to ask next. Is there going to be a volume two, maybe the next 25 years? Uh, a lot of people have asked that, and I, I haven't made my mind up, to be honest. <laughs> well, I encourage you to keep writing. It certainly is a healthy practice to get into. Have you been writing your whole life? Oh, yes. I started journaling when I was 20, and I have journals from all those years, and I wrote this, a journal this morning. So 
Mm. Yeah, I, I continue to write. That's great. What advice would you have now to other first-time authors who are looking to write their first book and then go through the publishing thing? I would, first of all, tell them to convince themselves that, yes, your story is worth writing, be it fiction or nonfiction. We all have a story to tell. And when we sit on that story, we really kind of cheat generations to come because we all have something worth sharing. So ignore the, the pessimist remarks you may get from others. That story is in you and you have a right to bring it out. So, yeah. And do research as far as your publishers go and, and how to put pen to paper. Just don't discount your story. The title of the book is My Story, His Glory, a memoir, the first 25 years. It's written by Gwen Lewis. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. And it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Well, Gwen, thank you for coming on the show with me tonight. I had a really nice time chatting. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I hope that your listeners will go out and get a copy because I really think there's something for everyone in that book. It's really an inspiring book. Thank you for having me. Author Robert Porter has a truly remarkable story to tell about his salvation in his new book, Salvation, Before and After. I'm really happy to be joined by Bob right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate that. It is my pleasure. Can you tell me about your book, about salvation before and after? When you read the book, you'll find there's a lot of things that we talked about or I talked about in the before and after situation and how my life was prior to that and how it was after salvation. And for years, I've had uh, many uh, friends of mine and people that I knew, I was asked to go to um, speaking tours on promise keepers and major churches and things. And mm -hmm. everybody kept telling me I need to write a book on it. However, 30 to 40 years <laughs> passed before I finally did do it. And I, I guess I just had time on my hands here with this uh, pandemic thing. So I went ahead and put it together. And that's kind of how it came to be. That's what I was going to ask. If something had prompted you after all these years to go ahead and get it ready to be released to the world. Part of the reason for that, though, was this. I, I'm also involved in a, uh, what's called the uh, Safer Community uh, Prison Ministry here in the Charlotte metro area. Hmm. And then that ceased when this pandemic thing happened. So I was not able to go in, and we used to go in every Thursday evening and meet with the uh, inmates and so forth and give testimonies and meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. It was a wonderful time to help touch lives in that situation. But when that happened, everything came to a standstill. Mm -hmm. So one of the purposes of my book was to perhaps get this in the hands of inmates and because uh, they do accept books at various uh, prisons and jails. And so that was one of my major, and that's my target market, if you will. People that have been involved with alcohol, drugs, uh, opioids, um, terrible life situations, and uh, they're looking for answers, looking for help. And sometimes they've just given up. Hmm. Because of my testimony, it's, it's, it has been able to make an impact on their lives. But I've got to confront them with it. I can't do this, you know, remotely. And that's why the book, it prompted me to do the book. Now, your past experiences certainly qualify you to be able to tell people and to deliver this message of hope. But like I said, I mean, you were really down at rock bottom before God brought you back up. I was. Well, as the book says, I, I got to a point where I was so disgusted with my life and, and the situation that I was 
had started to uh, live in, and, and it uh, I just couldn't stand myself, to be honest about it. And I so I tried to cover up my misery, if you will, with uh, drugs and alcohol and generally just sort of flake out on the world. I didn't care. The book talks about how that salvation came to be and how the Lord spoke to me during that time. Mm. That's when in my life just literally took a change for the better, obviously. Yeah. And it's great that you've written about it. What advice now that you've gone through all this, what advice would you have for aspiring authors that want to get that first book out? I think the best thing for me, never having done this before and not having the experience about any of it, was to get online. And I did find things that told me what I needed to do, at least to start. Just put the thoughts down on paper and just to, you don't have to work it all out at the beginning. Just put random thoughts down and just, as I said, check your, your past and pictures, photographs, friends, family, et cetera. If it's about a, a nonfiction sort of situation, it's a little different than it would be, of course, if you're just doing a novel. Hmm. I think the best thing to do is just get information down on the paper or at least on the internet or I mean on your um, computer and then, and then go back and massage it because you got time. You know, it's, it just doesn't happen overnight necessarily. So Exactly. Don't give up on another words. Hmm. <laughs> what a wonderful story you have to tell. And thank you for offering this to encourage and help others. This is Salvation Before and After by Robert Porter. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Bob, thank you again for joining me here. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. Well, thank you very much for calling. I appreciate it. Have a blessed day. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.